Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And of course, we are back talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And with me this week is Kyle Olson from Legible Scrawl. We've had a number of the Legible Scrawl (laughs) folks on, but finally... We get you. <laughs> yes, you had a lot of my friends on. I've, I've been listening to. I'm, I'm so happy that they could come along because uh, one thing we love doing is talking about Marvel movies. Uh, yeah, you are kind of the the mastermind behind the whole thing. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. Yeah, I was. It was one of those things where I looked around at my friends and realized that this untapped well of talent that they all had all these things and they weren't doing anything with them. And so I, I just started asking people if they would do things. So I was found like, you have a great voice. Would you be my announcer? You have a, you have are a great actor. Would you uh, come on and do this stuff? And you know, all these things. And I sort of started putting together all these little projects, uh, finding people to do it. The reason that, I, that I, I'm here is because uh, my group, Legible Scrawl, did a podcast called the Road to Infinity podcast. Uh, so in that, we, we decided to do a weekly podcast leading up to Infinity War, where we'd watch one Marvel movie and talk about it at, at length and pretty much as, uh, in exhausting detail uh, for about two hours or so. Kind of the opposite of what you guys are doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're so we're then, doing exhausting detail, but we're stretching it out for a really long time. <laughs> Exactly. So when uh, when you you guys contacted and said, "Hey, we're doing this Marvel thing. Would you be interested in coming along?" and I, I said, "Of course, that would be fantastic." Because obviously, one thing I like to do is talk about all the the Marvel things. <laughs> That's right. We are actually here to talk about Iron Man. We're looking at minute sixty one on today's show. The minute starts with Tony gearing up for a second test flight, and it ends with Tony finishing said flight. This is a very, a very compact flight. Like you don't realize it until you're watching it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, when you see it all together, that it comes out to about five, five minutes total from you know his first pickup to his uh, his abrupt landing, which might or might not happen in a couple minutes, um, as we can't talk about the future of the movie. <laughs> but yeah, when you when you contacted and said, "Hey, uh, what do you want to talk about, Iron Man?" I said, "I know the exact scene I want to talk about because this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. The movie is fantastic, but one of my favorite things in any." Young superheroes starting out, I mean, young in terms of their career, not in terms of their age, because obviously one of the cool right. things about Iron Man is that he's a man, not a kid, right. is the discovering their powers montage. And this is basically yep. the Iron Man version of that. Yeah, it's like this is uh, in Sam Raimi's movie. This is Peter Parker on the rooftop, you know, fighting, trying to figure out how his webs work. Or, uh, yep, yep. And so this is that same kind of thing. I, I love that because this is always where it's taking the audience from. You know this guy. You've been with this guy. I say guy just because let's 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 face it. Ninety nine percent of it so far that way. Come on, Captain Marvel, you can do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it starts out uh, as as this is a regular person, then something happens, and then this is the point where they transition from the regular to there. And so this is where we sort of also then project on ourselves of what it'd be like to actually swing as Spider Man, to fly as Iron Man, to uh, with Captain America. It's uh, having to chase the the saboteur down the street. So suddenly he's he was this pipsqueak of a guy, and all of a sudden he can leap over cars, he can rip doors off of uh, of taxis, uh, and so with Iron Man, you, it's 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 a it's a cool thing to see him uh, building this thing around himself and then testing it out, of course, on himself because how much more Tony Stark could you be? <laughs> exactly, in his own garage. Yeah, we we were right. talking about it in, in an earlier minute where it's like you know a teenager. Uh, you know, experimenting with his toys in the basement. That's right. You know, where, <laughs> where yeah, his was, parents can't find him. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, I mean, and also and his, and his garage too. Because how much more yeah. fitting could that be? Because you've got 
Steve Jobs, you've got Bill Gates, you've got all these guys who invented things in their garage. So of course, Tony would be working in his garage to come up with the next big invention. Yeah, we thought it was kind of funny because it's like this. I mean, this is a guy like he doesn't need to be in his garage. He is already a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk. Um, yet here he is. He's in his garage doing this this flight test where I mean, we've already seen him have accidents. He, he, you know, mm-hmm. he flipped over and slammed into the into the wall. He could very easily uh, do the same thing and crash through a window and fall off the cliff. It just seems like this probably isn't the best place to do it. But for whatever reason, he chooses to do it here instead of some secret lab in one of his many uh, Stark buildings. Right. So, we, we've but I, seen I, it, Stark International. Like we know that yeah. there's a giant, there's a giant uh, uh, arc <laughs> reactor there that can give him all the power he wants. But instead, yeah, like you say, he's, he's hiding in his garage doing something incredibly world changing. It's, it's so interesting. And I think it just says a lot about the character. Yeah. So have you guys talked about repulsor technology? We've talked a little bit about repulsor technology. Okay. Yeah, we haven't we haven't gotten into it too much, but I mean, it obviously, it was the thing that he kind of came up with here in the cave or in the cave with his arc reactor. Well, and not exactly it there though, because it was actually his dad that invented it. Because if you go well, to sure. Captain America, like he's he, you can see he's already built it on the flying car that he shows off at the the World's Fair. Uh, so this is like Tony is taking his technology and then now has a power source and, and that he can use to, to make it small and, and compact. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was going on about it. And, and boy, if you want to go down an internet rabbit hole, <laughs> go on some of the message boards <laughs> and hear the people trying to figure out what exactly is, how the repulsor tech works because, wow, <laughs> it went right. very quickly went beyond any of my limited science <laughs> understandings. It got to about muons and then I was like, I'm lost. But it's very fun to jump onto science tech pages where they're talking about the science within the film and and how it w- w- how it would work. We were looking at it when when he was talking about like the number of megajoules that mm-hmm. the, the the arc reactor in his chest would generate, and just the conversations that the scientists would have about it and the logic and everything. It was very fun to read. But like you said, mm-hmm. it's very heady stuff. Yeah. It's like they're using so many big words. I just don't know what they're talking about right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a I'm a comic book fan from back in the day. So I started out as sorry, I I got so much talking about myself that we didn't even do the traditional like where did you come into comics thing. So I'm I'm a fan no, of the that's show. Fine. So. Yeah, let, yeah, let us know. Okay, uh, where where did you? Uh, well, tell us now that you brought it now up. That I brought it up. That's enough about me. Let's talk about me. No. Um. So I started reading comics early when I was a kid, but it was all scattershot and random because I would I would uh, when we would go on these long road trips, my mom would buy me these collections of comics, and it was all just random. Marvel and DC comics in bags. So sure. I read all that stuff, but I had no idea of a concept of a Marvel universe versus a DC universe versus Valiant or any of that stuff. It was all just jumbled together. Um, it wasn't until sort of the comics boom in the 90s that I really got into it and then understood like where each thing fit and then started reading religiously. But by that the time that I got to that point, Iron Man was kind of on the wane because he had his sort of heyday uh, and then I would say sort of in the, the late 80s, uh, there, he had Armor Wars and there was some really good stuff. But by the time I was reading it, he was the, his, I believe his con- comic was actually canceled. Like he was just sort of a periphery character in the Avengers comics. And it got so bad that they actually made him a villain at one point. Have you talked at all about Teen Tony? No, we haven't. Oh about man, we haven't. We haven't. We haven't dug too deep into, <laughs> into the comic uh, lore. anything with Iron Man, other than kind of what we've seen here. But uh, but do tell because it sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we, we have a lot of minutes to get through, so I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't make this into the uh, the Iron Man uh, comic bashing podcast. But um, 
there at one point Iron Man the the character had got so broken and and, and I apologize to comic book purists there I'm gonna go just graze lightly over this that you you can do a whole podcast just on this kind of stuff but he had gotten so broken that they decided that he was a villain now like he had being mind controlled so all of a sudden Iron Man became a bad guy and it got so far down the line of of him making him a bad guy they couldn't figure out how to sort of pull out of the dive so instead the Avengers traveled back in time and pulled teenage. Tony Stark, which they refer to as Anthony Stark, forward to try and talk to his future self to talk him down. But then in the process of the fighting, our Tony Stark that we've been reading all this time died and they replaced him with young Tony Stark. So for a while there, it was the teenage version of Tony Stark was running around with the Avengers and thing. It was wow. very, very strange. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and, and, they, and they, that's what happens in the world of comic books. Because like with all these universes and everything, they and, and time travel and stuff, I mean, they sometimes they go down crazy, crazy rabbit holes. Yeah, and the, and the, the ultimate arbiter of that, the monthly deadline. Like, <laughs> we yes. need something. <laughs> we have to do something this month. I even tried to, I, I was refreshing my memory, like, how did that end? And the truth is, it never really ended. They just sort of uh, glanced over and sort of <laughs> tap danced a little bit. Like, there was a whole Heroes Reborn universe where they went into an alternate pocket dimension and then a couple of year, a year later they came out of it and then everything was fine <laughs> and they oh, just didn't course. talk about team tony anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's, 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 it's always fun when you dig into the lore of marvel because there's so many strange things they've done over the years it, that's really true. Yeah. I mean, you can pick any particular superhero and just kind of dig through their lore and you'll find some crazy stories that you've probably never heard of because a lot of those, maybe for good reason, kind of fade by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. When we, like, when uh, we do the uh, Captain America uh, by minute by minute podcast, you can bring me back on to talk about werewolf, to- uh, werewolf Captain America. <laughs> the oh, cap wolf. That's so funny. The uh, cap wolf. The cap wolf. So, yeah, uh, I'm looking at Teen, uh, teen Tony right now. Yeah. Uh, first appeared in Iron Man number 325. Yeah, there you go. 96. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an interesting time in Marvel Comics. So, so, uh, uh, so I, I did, in, in digging through this stuff i wanted to to see if, if i could find anything they they never did an official audio commentary for iron man right but they yeah, did, did do yeah. a a sort of loose commentary at the uh, american cinematheque uh, and, yeah, and they record yeah. it and there's there's sort of a terrible recording of that but is I, there a recording of it there's a recording i had of a that. buddy i had a buddy who was actually there and oh, i just wow. found this out i didn't know he was there but he got tickets to it and he thought it was just a screening of iron man and then surprise um, <laughs> and then surprise john favreau was there and then hey we can't do this without robert downey jr <laughs> and, and all of a sudden he's just like oh my god right and it, he said it was like it was like a live riff tracks thing mm-hmm. with the two of them in this conversation. He said it was amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I managed to, to track down a recording of everything. it. Yeah. So I will, I will, I will shoot that your way so you can. Uh, oh yeah, even though, even, though, even though you're halfway through from here on out, you can do it. <laughs> it, it sounds like somebody basically just took their phone and pressed record. So it's ah, it, the yeah, person who's I'm there sure. is laughing like you know very loudly over it. So, but but you can still hear because it's pretty much booming through there. So I, I played sort of this section of it to try and find out what it was and and there's some interesting stuff that we'll talk about over the next couple of episodes because you know it's like they 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 get caught up in the movie sometimes too and are just purely watching it (laughs) but uh one of the things that they they talked about and also um i i sort of loosely corroborated from a reporter from ain't cool news is that when tony is actually flying like his first time because in in this in this minute we have him uh just sort of learning how to get above the ground without slamming himself into the wall like he did earlier on. Um, right. Only one of those arms is actually real. He only had the right arm 
because they they originally were going to have the boots and one arm and then right before filming they're like no no we need to do both you got to have both so he can balance himself and so they just cg'd the left arm onto him interesting so it's when he's when he's doing that like he's acting like he has you know two of the things on but only one of those really, right, right. Uh, uh, ilm actually put on the other uh, the other huh. uh, piece onto it digitally through all this stuff. And, it's, it's, right. and I, I'm, I'm guessing right and left. Like, I looked at it very closely after I learned that. And I believe it is the right arm is one he actually is using a lot because it gets a lot of close-ups and the left one yeah. uh, less so, but I also he's right-handed. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Those are the flight stabilizers that right. he was working on that he, he realized he uh, needed to add on to his outfit once he tried boots only yeah and that's when he slammed <laughs> into the uh into the wall behind him yeah that's a great psychic uh, very funny yeah absolutely and this one's fun too i mean this mm-hmm. is um uh, this is his second test flight the first one that we saw in the last minute um he he made it he made a successful very short flight but you know he got he did a one percent and just kind of went up and then he came down and it worked just fine. This time he's at two and a half percent and it is a magnificent dance around his around his uh, workshop, uh, floating over the cars, knocking all the papers everywhere, almost running into the camera that that you uh, is holding and uh, making some fantastic grunts and grimaces. <laughs> and uh, it's this is just like Robert Downey Jr. at his finest, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> he really has some some great sounds as he's being because you also know he's you know he's in a harness, he's being lifted around the room, and he has to yeah. look like he's in control. Uh, right, right. As much as like you you were in, in from the previous episode, you're talking about how great Jeff Bridges in this and uh, and uh, Terrence Howard. I mean, when Robert is with them, like the energy is very different stuff too. But here he's alone, and he is acting against a metal arm and he's still amazing. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is where Robert Downey Jr. really shines because he's, you know, obviously there's a whole crew there, but he is essentially is alone and he's acting opposite. Maybe there's a, a, a technician off to the side with a remote control, but he's operating to dummy. You know, that's the, the yep. and then, right. you know, I believe at this point, <laughs> dummy is the one who's holding the fire extinguisher and you is the one right. who's holding the camera. Those are exactly. the just two robots, uh, but he is acting <laughs> with and having a conversation with this, like this, this metal arm. And it's, and, and, you, and you are, and through him, you are also giving this thing life. Dummy becomes one of the best characters in the movie. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Well, and this is this is a great moment. And uh, more than any other point in the film, this is where it feels like a sad version of the Pixar lamp to me. <laughs> like, it's like, like he, he kind of hangs his, his little puppy dog head down. Mm-hmm. And you get the little sound with it and everything. It's just it's done so well. And they're clearly having fun with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I even looked around to see if I could figure out who the, the puppeteer was, and I, I couldn't find it. I decided yeah. that there was a guy with a great name in ILM, uh, a visual effects guy named Matt Heimlich. So I decided, Matt Heimlich, he's the guy. He must be the guy. He must be the guy. He's in the, he's in the credits. <laughs> I was like, with a name like that, he's got to have been the one. Right. That's funny. Matt, you can let us know yeah. if, you're, if you're listening. <laughs> Contact us. He's, been, he's, he's got a pretty good career. I looked at his stuff, too. I mean, he's, he's doing well for himself. Well, when you're jumping onto movies like Iron Man, yeah. you, can, you can find some pretty pretty strong filmographies in some of these people. It's pretty interesting. As I watch this, it's funny because the, the repulsor technology, which you brought up mm-hmm. earlier, every time he's using it after this, 
I never see it spark and it only ever seems to like actually shoot sparks when mm-hmm. he's doing the testing right now. And I, and again, I, I doubt that there's any sparks coming out of his hands and feet as they're doing this test. In fact, I'm pretty sure because I, I, I know I watched the behind the scenes footage right. earlier and he's as, he, as he's in this rig kind of they're floating around the room. Yeah, this, this Peter Pan rig guess they have him flying. Right. It was, it's fantastic, but, but it's so, there's so many sparks and it mm-hmm. is such an interesting design element for this early stage as he's testing it just and i think that it was really added to just show you know still in the works you know i think like because it really as you see these sparks shooting out of his hands and feet it just feels like something's still not quite right yeah he's still getting things uh nice and (laughs) precise and it won't be when we see later he can do precision stuff or at this point we're still yeah i I, and looking at the real what i was interested in is if they talked about it in the way that they talk about Cyclops's eye beam from the X Men, in that they don't—they're not lasers; they don't produce heat. And I was curious to see if they had no, talked yeah. about impulses because he flies over the cars, and the cars are undamaged. Yeah, and I was watching that too because you do get that kind of a POV mm-hmm. as he's going over the cars, and you see the sparks kind of coming down and hitting the cars, but. Mm-hmm. In no way does it look like it's damaging. And even when you see them later, nothing looks damaged. No. It's not until later in our week will we actually see some actual car damage from him. But right here, it yeah. And and I do recall seeing something that the repulsor technology does not generate heat. Yeah. But again, I, I think it was scientists theorizing that because they said if it was, then he would be cooked right yes. away. <laughs> That's right. Because so. that the amount of power that would come out <laughs> and the heat that would be coming out would take his hands and feet off. Uh, it looks like it's sort of that concussive force, like it is sort of like a, a, a force. That you would, but then he can change it if he wants to. Later on, we'll, uh, he, like, he'll have lasers and stuff too uh, that were, are more, yeah. much more traditional in terms of like cutting through things. Uh, in, in, right. in future movies, right. I'm thinking more like in like avengers where he actually is 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 uh, um, welding yeah right, right. and here like everything it seems to be like it's just basically just a giant push like he you know he's, he's pushing it to, to blow down walls or to knock people over it's not so much of a of a ray yeah and it's very different it works much better in context of the films nowadays as opposed to the comics when he was first uh created it was much more like transistor technology which is mm-hmm. probably much more much more uh relevant to the time it was a word people saw more often back mm-hmm. in the 60s yeah nowadays you see transistor you're like oh that's like you know something my my grandpa would buy at radio shack yeah so <laughs> and it's, this is, it's funny <laughs> this is this is once again the genius of stan lee uh, who can just write yeah. something like uh captain america is hit with vita rays and you go what's that <laughs> uh, doesn't matter <laughs> or like he rents repulsor technology what does it do uh, it does whatever i want it to do <laughs> like, that's <laughs> he was a brilliant brilliant man i did think it, there's this one shot early in this minute after he takes off mm-hmm. and uh, he's kind of floating around getting used to uh the movement and everything we get a um uh after we're done watching you we cut to a shot of his boots and we see his uh his left boot it kind of like has a couple little air blasts come off of some mm. i don't know little tubing mm-hmm. or something it's right around like 17 seconds or so and i find it i don't know i i it's i'm always curious when i'm seeing these things uh, in action because i'm like wonder what that's doing mm-hmm. and uh, what instantly came to my mind is okay that's that's doing its thing when we're just looking at the internal parts but is that supposed to be like is it an exhaust or something because once it's covered up with all of the actual armor plating and everything how is that getting out 
And it's just one of those things I'm like, it looks really cool, but mm-hmm. I wonder how it works once it's internalized. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, maybe it, it's the idea was that it's some kind of like a stabilizer on the foot to keep it sort of you know, moving left to right. So it wouldn't, you know, sort of like, you know, all of a sudden they both go out sideways and suddenly you've uh, <laughs> you got a whole different yeah. problem. Um, but yeah, cause yeah. We, we'll, we'll see that there's uh, lots of different moving parts on here. So um, yeah, it's yeah, interesting. It's- it's interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, they they're clearly just putting it on there because it looks super cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, <laughs> you know, yeah, none of this, yeah, it's all makeup technology. <laughs> like, uh, um, you, we we've seen different sides of Tony. We've seen the the Playboy. We've seen now. This is obviously after the cave. So we've seen sort of the the post traumatic uh, stuff that he's had to deal with. But like, uh, this is one of my my favorite aspects of him is his the maker. Like him, like actually yes. getting his hands dirty. Like we we seen him, him uh, you know, pulling the car apart and stuff too. So we know that he uh, is a is a guy that works with his hands and likes to you know to actually build kind of things. But this is what makes him different from a lot of other heroes too, and that we actually get to see him trying like as opposed to you sort of you know in every batman movie it just goes and like and now he's in the outfit and off he goes and we we don't get the Batman begins did a good job of this. I know that we're jumping universe. I'm jumping universes here, but um, but to yeah, actually whoa, whoa, see, whoa. yeah, yeah, no DC zone. <laughs> Let's stick no. to the MCU here. I guess. Um, <laughs> but th- that's what makes him different than than a lot of the other uh, Marvel characters is is that like he's the guy that's in there with the wrench and like the you know, and the grease stain across his face, you know, trying to get this done or, or uh, whatever the uh, uh, Marvel universe equivalent of uh, grease would be in, that they use in the Iron Man suit. Repulsor grease. Yeah, repulsor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it it is really interesting and it is that's that is one of the things that is really exciting about uh about tony like you said getting to see him be this tinkerer Mm -hmm. we know he's this scientific genius he's this playboy he's kind of arrogant he's cocky he's got the swagger and all that sort of stuff but he also is a guy who plays around with these tools in his garage and makes things and here we see him making some really cool stuff mm-hmm. after you know i mean a couple weeks or whatever he's coming up with some amazing things uh, amazing new toys that he's been developing um now at this point it's like what is he i mean we know that he's discovered all of this while he was in the cave and mm-hmm. he used it to escape but i mean and, and i don't know if i've ever really thought about this but what What's really spurring him on to do it right now, other than just being able to do it? It's I, I mean, he hasn't had that call to action yet. That's true. That's true. I, yeah. I, at this point, it does seem that he is just kind of playing around. Like he doesn't seem to have a a real goal for why he needs the suit. He's not doing it to fight. You know, he's not going. He's not planning to fly back to Afghanistan. Like he no, is yeah. uh, just had this idea, and now he's sort of just following the idea, which just seems like a very Tony Stark thing to do. Like uh, they talked a lot about Elon Musk too. Elon Musk is a guy that who's with a relentless imagination who just like now I'm, now I'm doing this now I'm doing that, and he's going to do the same thing here. It's just uh, he wants to improve on the thing he he built. Yeah, and it's interesting because he wants to improve on it. He wants to. Uh, I mean, he knows he came up with something really cool at the cave. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it helped him escape and and survive. Yeah, but now he's in this place where he's just like, you know, that was cool what can i do with that yeah and i mean he's talked about it a little bit he talked about you know to roadie when he went over to talk to him at the at the uh at the base and he said i'm onto something big i want you to be a part of it mm-hmm. and he, and even obi came over earlier and, and yeah he wouldn't you know, tell he's him just like i'm doing something he wouldn't tell him yeah. so he's being very coy about it but uh i feel like i don't know it, it seems like is he 
thinking that he's going to come up with something that uh, like he can sell. Like, I mean, he's not, I don't think he's planning on militarizing it um, because he's had such a reaction to it. Right. But it, yeah. it does make me wonder, like, is he, is this the next big thing that he's just going to make to sell? It's like, like personal transportation devices right. so people could fly around. But yeah, because obviously, <laughs> yeah, like you say, at this point, there's no way that he's thinking about putting soldiers in these. Yeah, no, absolutely not. So yeah, it's like he's like I'll build it, then I'll figure out what to do with it. <laughs> right. Well, and that seems like how Tony operates, like yeah, <laughs> most true. of the time. Build like first, he gets the bug, later. and he's just like, "Oh, I can figure. What am I doing?" Like he he's playing around with something, and he wants to solve the mystery. And uh, only later does he actually go, "How can I use this?" Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. There is a, uh, I, I think possibly my favorite shot in this. Uh, fantastic scene is as he's flying over he's gone over his cars he's cutting through his office uh, or his work area knocking all the papers up and then you cut to this shot that's like down at the end and you're watching him come toward you and Uh he's he tries to stop and he gets a fantastically funny look on his face but he holds his hands up like right at the camera and like blasts into the camera lens I just I, I think that is such a cool look and I just love the way that they came up with that to kind of get a sense of him learning how to stop and break and turn around. Yeah, you can see a little bit of surfing in that point where he has his yeah. hands out. It's amazing, like we, we talked a little about John Favreau, like that John Favreau as a director was not really known for his visuals. Like I don't say that to be insulting, but like the, no, in the yeah. movies he'd gone to, I mean, Zathura was a big step forward, but like he was not really known as a, uh, it's like a Ridley Scott kind of thing where you have like these big kind of, uh, you know, sweeping shots or any kind of thing. And he really, really upped his game for Iron Man, like he really, really showed uh, another level of skill that we didn't know he had. Yeah, and I, I still would argue that I think that his skill. I mean, I think he does a great job here. Mm-hmm. I think he has a lot of fun. Clearly, he builds a great team. I mean, Matthew yes. Lubitsky as his yes. as I his say, cinematographer is a the, great one the, team. One of the best skills he had is is he he can spot talent. Like exactly, he, he, exactly. he put together an amazing team for this. Yeah, and and that that to me is the thing that really stands out because that's I think largely what helped the whole MCU kind of be born. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And this and this sort of loose, fun style that's not grim and gritty. I, you know, we haven't pointed it out yet, but uh, just one last little uh, note: as he's flying around, you do notice down at the end of his space here he's got that texaco motor oil sign <laughs> and it's just again just like the lovely production design in here just adding all those wonderful touches that give you that real sense of this this grease monkey guy and and kind of the roots he came from you know working on cars with his dad when he was a kid and everything's cool yeah is the idea that the the windows behind there are are looking out like that they're actually like shaded windows but that's sunlight yeah yeah in fact if as he's coming around the cars um, you can actually see a tree out there. Oh, okay. So yeah. I really hadn't really thought of that. I always thought of them as just like a, a bay of, of lights, but now as it sort of, as you look deep into the frame, you realize, oh no, that's actually like to the outside world, probably looking out over the ocean. And I don't, yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. That's why I was like, it, it seems like a really bad idea to do his tests here with these windows, because <laughs> if he did that backflip and he was facing the other direction, he would have crashed through the window off the cliff into the ocean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, who knows? Maybe, I mean, there's a tree there. Maybe it's not overlooking the cliff. It's, I, I never really get a good sense of where these windows, where this bank of windows looks. It's hard to line up 
this from the inside when I look at the exterior. Yeah, I know. Do you wonder yeah. if anybody ever put out a, a blueprints of what it is? I think in the one of the Lego Marvel games, I think you actually could go to his <laughs> this house and you could actually go into it and run around inside it. So maybe you oh, have to cool. you have to go and do that just to get an idea of what the geography of uh, of his. Cape Doom Manor is. The Art of uh, Iron Man book actually has some pretty good oh. depictions of the different rooms, but I don't think they have a blueprint. I, I think there's a blueprint of his workshop okay. that kind of gives you a layout of what's down here, but I don't think there's actually a layout of his house. Uh, and I feel like I might have seen one online. I'll have to poke around again, see if I can track it down. Okay. Well, I don't have anything else for this minute. Uh, what about you? No, no, I think we, uh, we've pretty much covered that because there's a lot of exciting stuff coming. So... Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Would you like to tell everybody where they can find you, Kyle? Absolutely. Um, my predominant role right now is as a writer. So I have a podcast called The Monday Matinee. It's a fiction anthology podcast. I, and I write uh, and direct all the episodes. At this point, I'm, I'm uh, expanding out this way. I think uh, we're going to have some new writers coming on this season. Um, but uh, I run it sort of like the BBC. So the idea is instead of doing it Twilight Zone style, where like you come in, it's it's one... Uh, one story and out you go. Uh, I sort of run for a couple episodes. So I get an idea and I'm like, oh, let's, let's stay in this world for a while. So I'll do three or four episodes uh, in this sort of little pocket universe I build and then move on. If it's good enough or if it's popular enough, then we can come back to it, you know, and revisit it for a later season. Our signature show is called the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society. Uh, the, uh, the, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the, uh, the, see, the elevator pitch is that it's a, uh, a married lesbian couple in steampunk France uh, fighting enemies. So it's very uh, swashing and buckling and sword fighting and debating and uh, all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, very anachronistic. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, we've done uh, two seasons of that, and there'll be a third season of that coming up pretty soon. I'm in, uh, it's about, to, about to start writing that soon. So hopefully by the time this, uh, this is up there, you'll be able to find it. But in the meantime, you can go back and look through our backlog. So uh, uh, look for it in any podcatcher. You know, uh, look for Monday Matinee. You'll find us. Awesome. Well, Everybody, that is it for today's show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.